Hello and welcome everyone to this online conversation hosted by the European Center for International Political Economy on leadership in European digital policy and the future role and direction for the D9 Plus Group. Launched in 2016, nine countries with a particular interest in matters of the digital economy met to learn from each other and seek common ground on policy issues, the D9 Group. Since its founding, the group has expanded into the D9 Plus initiative and now also includes guest countries, but it remains fundamentally an initiative of small and mid-sized open-oriented economies with a strong interest to exploit the economic power of digitalization and new emerging technologies. In a recent ESI publication titled Leadership in European Digital Policy, Future Role and Direction for the D9 Plus Group, we argue that D9 Plus countries have a lot in common, digital and general economic characteristics that should prompt them to be far more ambitious in promoting Europe's digital competitiveness. My name is Philip Lamprecht, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Miguel Otero Iglesias to this conversation. Miguel is a senior analyst at the Elcano Royal Institute and professor at IE School of Global and Public okay. Affairs. He is also research associate at the EU Asia Institute at the ESSCA School of Management in France. Hello, Philip. Great to be here. And congratulations as well for your report. Very interesting and thought-provoking. Thank you very much, Miguel. Now, uh, to start off with first general question, I know that uh, you are working in your own research activity also on the management of economic and social transformations caused by the rise of digital technologies. And a lot of your work is focused on the digital area. So my first general question for you to set the scene is, how do you think the D9 initiative or D9 Plus initiative can expand the scale and scope of digital technological change in the European economy? And what do you think should be their focus areas in the future? Well, um, you know, I think that the D9 Plus group is, uh, is a very important group for many reasons, because a lot of these countries are at the forefront of being able to introduce digital technologies in their societies with a high degree of inclusiveness. That's certainly true for the Nordic countries of the group, even some of the Central European countries of the group. Then you have, you know, countries like Spain or Portugal that on that front, I think they're doing uh, not that well, although they've been improving lately. And so I think, you know, they are really kind of the core of one could argue is this human-centered European perspective on, on the digital revolution, as I call it, because it is so disruptive that it can be compared to other previous industrial revolutions. And in all of them, obviously, there, there were winners and losers and there was social upheaval. And despite having, of course, even in these countries, extreme parties and, uh, and in some cases, extreme parties that have rich power, as I say, they are developed countries at the core of uh, the European framework of how the digital revolution should be managed. And of course, I think this is a rather new, as you say, rather new group started in 2016, although now it has already six, six years and it has developed over the years. We had uh, very recently at the latest meeting actually in Spain in the Canary Islands. 
within the framework of the OECD ministerial conference on the digital economy. And you can see that, you know, there is eagerness by these countries to coordinate, cooperate further in shaping the agenda, as you know, that is filled now with new regulations that, as your report shows, for some people, it's, it's perhaps too much regulation and too burdensome. And for others, it's, um, it's a regulation that uh, was necessary and that really is kind of needed to have a more balanced approach on what some digital actors can and cannot do. I, I'm sure we can explore further the details, but I think overall, perhaps more coordination and more focus on specific areas and a specific you know, agenda would be good for the D9 Plus group as a whole. Thank you very much for this. You already mentioned two key elements uh, for our discussion, in my opinion, among many other interesting things. So the first is, of course, the perspective from Spain and that Spain plays an important role currently also in this group. And the second, of course, is the trade-off between regulations that may be perceived as overly cumbersome by some, but also necessary by others. Now, one finding that we came to in our report is that all of the D9 plus countries have a lot in common and a lot to gain from sound digital policy and also a lot to lose from overly cumbersome digital policy. But of course, as you mentioned, there are differences among the countries in the group as well. So I would like to first address this, also given your background in Spain, what do you see Spain's role should be in the next time in this group? And what would be, so to say, uh, your personal recommendation to Spain in the D9 Plus? Well, I think Spain is a very interesting uh, case because at the end of the day, it is the fourth biggest economy. So it, it is not a small economy. It could be within the European Union context be seen as a, as a big economy. It has been an economy that, generally speaking, has been in favor of open trade openness uh, as a way for development. And therefore, since the UK left the union, it has been sought by by many of the traditional free market and pro-trade countries as a potential ally. I'm talking here of the Nordics, uh, the Netherlands and others. But on the other hand, you can see as well that uh, here the Secretary of State for Digitalization and Artificial Intelligence, etc., she's more as well in the path of that, that Europe should develop some sort of digital sovereignty, right? And so I think that's, that's the crux of the matter here. I mean, how do you find the right balance between an open digital framework, digital space, with all the elements that are necessary in terms of interoperability, in terms of facilitating all these uh, value chains, etc. And as your report shows, some of these countries actually need this openness to acquire this technology. And so how do you develop this rather smart regulation necessary to keep this openness? But on the other hand, how do you protect your citizens? How do you develop your own industries? How do you reduce your dependency on on third countries? And how do you develop a new kind of industrial policy for the digital age that, as your report again uh, emphasizes, and I would agree with, doesn't really bring us into a more protectionist stand? And, and I think Spain, in many ways, tries to be this 
broker actor between the Germanys and France, if you want, or perhaps even Italy, you know, the bigger economies that are much more in the sovereignty agenda and the, more, the smaller, more open economies like the Nordic and the Central European smaller economies that are a bit less enthusiastic about that because they fear that this might, A, benefit too much the Germanys and France's or two, that this will kind of contribute to this slippery slope that we are in, in terms of further barriers to trade and sovereignty talk that ends up in more protectionism. And uh, I mean, I think Spain for a long time has been rather a passive actor. And I see with this Secretary of State that Spain wants to be a more proactive actor. And, and you know, the latest conference and the latest meeting of the D9 Plus in the Canary Islands is a good indicator. The sandbox that is planned on artificial intelligence is another. You know, to, the agenda that it is proposed on a European digital identity, on, um, you know, kind of digital rights as well, European digital rights, but not only European. Even like, you know, uh, the whole debate around having a European certificate on digital skills, you know, tries to find this right balance of, on the one hand, protecting European uh, citizens and empowering them in the process of this digital revolution, but on the other hand, keeping an open digital market in Europe that benefits Spain as well. Thank you very much. And I would like to go here, as you mentioned, exactly this balancing between the regulations and also the benefits uh, for the European citizens. I would like to go here in a bit more detail and ask now from a more general perspective of the entire D9 Plus group, how do you think the group can address risks that an overpowering regulatory approach to digital policies in Europe reduces the benefits of digital transformation. Which type of policies would you see especially risky uh, in the past and which uh, future planned policies and what aspects come to your mind as being in need of attention for the group? Well, for a long time, there has been this view that there is some sort of trade-off between innovation and inclusion. So some would argue that you need some sort of laissez-faire deregulated uh, framework in order to boost innovation. Uh, and usually one would look at uh, places that are more deregulated, like the United States, perhaps United Kingdom, Singapore, uh, and others that, that are more or less seen as these places where you have more freedom of, of innovation because you don't have as much regulation. And then one would then say, well, then the, the trade-off is those places that have more inclusiveness, perhaps like Central Europe, France, Germany, and others, they, they just are not as good in innovating because the framework doesn't allow it. And there are some of the research that we have done, uh, or some of colleagues have done at the Fletcher School and others, uh, you know, in in the project I'm leading at the Center of the Governance of Change at IE really kind of uh, points that to question in this trade-off, that there is not such a trade-off, that uh, there are examples of places, uh, New Zealand, perhaps even Germany lately, etc., where you can have both. You can have uh, innovation and you have you can have inclusiveness. And so I think that's, and, and, and some of the Nordic countries, uh, Scandinavian countries are in that field too, right? And so I think, uh, what the D9 group uh, needs to do is kind of, you know, 
push for this agenda further, right? And what is this agenda? I mean, it, it has to do a lot with broader debates that we had on flex security, that you don't really protect the, the workplace, you protect the worker, you really kind of focus on skilling, reskilling, on for, you know, forming the education, uh, etc. You Perhaps you focus much more on horizontal, so-called horizontal uh, industrial policies rather than vertical, rather than picking winners or etc. Uh, that you look at, uh, okay, you know, what is the regulation that is necessary? I think the introduction of review processes, I mean, the digital revolution is going very fast. It's, the pace of change is, is, is dramatic. So you can, we, we cannot have laws that take too long to be agreed, that then are very difficult to change, etc. We need to, you know, on the Digital Markets Act, on many other, you know, of the upcoming regulations that we will have that are important on data governance, on um, AI, etc. We need to have these reviews. So to see, you know, where do we go too far in our regulation? When is it too cumbersome and, and uh, burdensome as, as, as you report might indicate and why not right why is perhaps more regulation needed and then so i think we need to be a bit more flexible and i think that's that should be the agenda of the nine and and then i think there's the whole debate around how do you engage with stakeholders all sorts of stakeholders and i think that that is important as well i mean and, and a lot of these countries have a long experience of uh, including stakeholders, both the business community, but as well the academic, the NGO, the, the you know different interest groups around it, including the average citizen in, in, in this process. And so I think that that would be my broader answer. And, and so don't be too dogmatic on either side of this. Given trade-off that it is not such a trade-off because we have examples of countries that have managed to have both innovation and inclusiveness. Indeed, I completely agree myself. And thank you for pointing this out also here in our conversation. And this leads me directly to the next question, which relates more to the needed work of the D9 Plus group. The first point I observed when analyzing the work of this group is that at the start, it was sometimes seen as a coalition, which indeed I don't think it should be considered as because it is a group. And as a group, it invites also other partners that are outside of the group to still profit from their activity. So it is not something that should be seen by more skeptical fractions uh, of other countries as, you know, the front runners uh, that are profiting from digital policy while other countries have less to gain and therefore interaction does not yield benefits necessarily. I believe it's the opposite. The group should be a docking station for other countries as well to exchange experiences, to be able to gather lessons learned, to be a learning mechanism for each other, so the group members, but also for other countries that are potentially lagging behind in the process still and can learn a lot from their experiences. And my question here would be, how can this group of the D9 Plus become organized in a way so that it can serve as a learning mechanism and also as an exchange mechanism of information for the member countries and also for other European countries in dealing exactly with these yeah, misconceptions, as you pointed out, and also important questions. A second related question is also, I believe there is value in the work of the D9 Plus to go more in the direction of also providing policy evaluation 
because it would address indeed directly the issue areas you pointed out to. This would mean that the group itself engages more in evaluation of policies and providing also expertise uh, publicly in the form, for example, of reports. So what do you think about these elements? No, I think they are very important. Again, here depends on where, how far you want to go, right? And how open this process can be and how structured and institutionalized it uh, should be. Do you want to keep it a bit more like informal where you have regular meetings, but you don't really have a secretariat or you ha don't have really a formal structure around it that can steer the process? And I think I, I would keep it more like, you know, how it is now uh, in terms of coming together, uh, sharing views, joint declarations, maybe joint positions in many of these portfolios and files that have to do with the digital uh, agenda. And uh, as you say, I mean, you know, I think best practices uh, are very important, but uh, as well, the kind of joint projects uh, might be as well, because at the end of the day, You learn really by doing things together, by engaging with the other side. So, so there could be a possibility to have joint research project, uh, even like uh, exchanges among these countries, having perhaps a fund where you really kind of dedicate certain amount of joint money for this group to explore and see the best practices of other of other countries. That this can be done through officials, but it could be as well done through experts uh, from these countries that spend a bit of time in, in other countries. And I think what is important here would be to have perhaps a certain agreement on three, four topics every year that, you know, these countries uh, can focus on and therefore be more proactive and influential in these particular topics, both in their bilateral and multilateral coordination, but as well in how they influence EU policy in these matters. Miguel, It has been a pleasure talking to you. Over the next few months, we will be unpacking the findings of the ESIB report through additional activities that include events, podcasts in ESIB's Global Economy podcast series, blogs, as well as opeds. You can stay updated on upcoming activities on digital policy on ESIB's website and social media. Thank you. Thank you, Philip, again. And uh, again, congratulations to the, all the ESIP team for the report and for yeah. stimulating this debate.